talk about how to conquer a storm. Uh, Mark 4 verse 35. And the same day when evening had come, he said to them, I want you to get a hold of this. Jesus, it was Jesus. He looked, 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 just get a hold of the fact he told them this. Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was and the other little boats were also with him and the great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boats so that it was already filling but it was the stern but he was in the stern asleep in the pillow and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we perish then he arose and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I actually think it wasn't just the waves that Jesus calmed there. I think he calmed the disciples. I really believe that as well. And I want to talk about this one, going through a storm. Uh, I think there's certain things that we can do in a storm when storms hit our life. I wonder right now if there's anyone, people go through a storm. Uh, anyone go through a storm? <laughs> or, and if you're, if you're not going through one, how many have ever been through a storm? Now, if no one responds to that, then I'll cast that line thing out of you, sort of thing. Because the point, everybody goes through a storm in life. If you're not going through one, there's probably, possibly, one on the way. Amen? <laughs> and have you noticed this? I, you know what I'd love in life? Wouldn't it be great in life that during movies, when something's going to happen, like the music goes boom, boom, and all that, wouldn't it be great in life that a moment a storm was coming, kind of music would come, boom, boom, be ready, you know, a storm's coming. Or, this, is, this, is, this would be a great invention, a storm app. That when a storm hits your life, an app, comes and warns you, a storm is coming tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Beware, storm on the way. But here's the point. In reality, storms come often unexpectedly. Often when we least prepare, when we're least ready, so often a storm can suddenly rise up. And Jesus, we're told, this is when you think about it, we're told he was asleep in the boat. Now, we're talking about a storm, and we're not talking like a little you know, a little kind of bit of, bit of waves. We're talking about a major storm. In that part on, on that sea, the Sea of Galilee, there, storms will come unexpectedly. 
And these were fishermen. So how many would realise they're, they're used to storms? Is that right, Gareth? They're used to storms. They're used to storms. And they were fearful of this storm. So how many realised this was a big storm, the fact they were fearful of it? And when those storms hit, you know, you get the waves would crash over the boat, the boat would be up and down, absolutely creating incredible fear and panic in the hearts of the disciples. And the Bible says Jesus was a what? Sleep. In the storm. It was only the response of the disciples that caused him to He's asleep in perfect calm and perfect peace in the storm. And the one thing that Jesus wants to release in your heart is the peace. The greatest battle in our world today is stress. Panic that overwhelms people. And the only way you ever deal with that is peace. And the first thing that Jesus wants to bring, and he brought to his disciples, he said, Peace be still. How many realise there are different kinds of storms? There's the storms that God sends, which Jonah experienced, because God wanted to bring Jonah back into alignment with his will and purpose, so he sends a storm. But there are also storms that the devil sends. Storms that so often are there to stop us from fulfilling God's purpose for our life. And so a lot of storms come from the enemy to shut us down. Sometimes, often, when we're right on the verge of a breakthrough. How many have found that? You're right there, right on that verge, right on the edge of a breakthrough. And the moment that happens, a storm arises. And the devil often will send storms into your life to stop God's purpose in you and through you. And this is this kind of story. Just when you're ready, just when you're about to step into something amazing God has for you, a storm arises. In fact, a storm sometimes is a good sign that you're almost there. Amen? And notice there's three things I want to just say. Here's the first thing. Choose peace rather than panic. When he says that Jesus was asleep on the cushion, he didn't mean that he got into the boat first and says, okay, first one there gets the cushion. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've read that, you know, first one there, you know. It wasn't that because... A pillar actually wasn't a pillar, as we think of. You know what it was? It was actually a, a kind of recliner seat, that's the best way to describe it, that was right there that the pilot sat on to direct the boat. That was the, that's where he was, and he was asleep. He was in control of the boat, but he was in perfect peace, asleep. And when you get a hold of that, that Jesus is in control of your life. And he never panics about what you're going through. Isn't that good? He doesn't say, what am I going to do now? He doesn't panic because he's in control of your life. And it's the calm and peace in the heart of Jesus that he wants to bring in to us. Bible speaks, he says, he gives a peace that is past, notice what it says, understanding. Past understanding. A perfect peace. And someone said this, if you want perfect peace, a past understanding, you must be willing not to understand. 
In other words, the reason why we panic is because we want to understand why this is happening. We want to work it out. We want to try to kind of understand it. And sometimes we don't always know the reasons. And sometimes if you want peace, and it often is a peace that goes beyond understanding. We don't always have the answers to every question. And so Jesus has peace in the boat. He arose and he spoke peace to the storm. I want you to get hold of this. The reason why he could speak peace to the storm was because he was already at peace. Do you see that? So he couldn't speak peace if he wasn't at peace. The fact he was already at peace, he could speak peace to the storm. We don't have peace. We can have peace before the storm comes rather than when the storm comes trying to get the peace. The peace has to happen before the storm comes. And the reason why Jesus could release peace was because he had peace. You can't release something you haven't got. Jesus spoke an amazing story. He says that when you go to someone's, when he was sharing about witnessing and sharing, he says, you go to a house of peace and you release your peace. So here's the point. How can you release something you haven't got? Is that true? So if you have peace, you can release peace. I think sometimes you can go into conflicting atmospheres. How many have ever been there? Conflicting, stressful atmospheres. And because of the peace that's in you, you can release peace into those circumstances, into those situations. But you've got to have it in you to release it. And because Jesus was asleep in perfect calm, he could say to the storm, peace, be still. And you'll never deal with the storms of your life until you have that powerful peace that passes understanding. I believe God gives supernatural peace. Not a peace that is is of human origin. It's a peace of heaven. It's a peace that the fruit of the Spirit is in you. And when peace is in you, then no storm from hell can overcome your life. Have you found that? When you're at peace, nothing can disrupt that. Nothing can disturb that. Because the peace is so powerful, it's greater than the storm. Jesus said, peace be still. That meant the peace was greater than the storm that was coming against him. Is that true? And so we have to have a peace that's greater than the storm that seeks to attack our life. The peace that only Jesus can bring. I love it. Peace be still. We begin to release the peace into the conflicting atmospheres that come out of our life. The Bible says it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A big test of, of whether you have peace is this. What comes out of your mouth when the storm comes? What comes out of your mouth? How do, what, what, what words come out of your mouth when the, when the storm comes? Because what comes out of your mouth indicates what's really abundantly in your life. So when storms come, and you can still speak words of peace, words of confidence, words of trust, then that shows that God's peace is in your heart. Before that comes out of your mouth is complaining and, and moaning and negative things. That really is an indication that peace isn't really to the level and the depth that it should be. How many are glad for the peace of God? Isn't it awesome? I think what a, what a testament that when someone goes through a storm, they're still at perfect peace. How many remember that hymn? It is well with my soul. Ever sang that hymn? You know the guy who wrote that? He's a storm in his life. His wife and his child was lost at sea. And out of that, he wrote this hymn. 
when storms billow against my soul. He says, storms billow roll. Remember that song? It is well, it is well with my soul. And that hymn is a hymn that's full of what? Peace. Because he had peace, he could stand strong in the midst of the most horrendous storm that any person can face. Can you say amen? A storm, the peace that is greater than any storm that can come out of your life. And this is what I think. That often when, when the peace of God is so strong and so powerful, then storms begin to just be totally broken. Because this is what peace does. Peace will lead you into trust. You'll never trust there's no peace. But when there's peace there, there's trust. You think about it. What is fear? Think about it. The opposite to faith is fear. Fear is putting your trust in the wrong things. Trusting in the fallen one rather than the risen one. Fear is believing your circumstances. It's somehow believing that what you're facing is bigger than God. Actually, that's what you're saying. That the moment fear grips you, you're actually saying, what I'm going through, what I'm facing, my circumstances, the things in my life are bigger than God. That's what you're actually saying when fear comes in. You're actually magnifying something bigger than God. The Bible says, God is love. Love never fails. You know what love does? Love causes you to trust. When you have fear, what does the Bible say? Perfect love, what does perfect love do? Cast out fear. So when I'm infused with the perfect love of God, the love that never fails, the love that is for me, not against me, the love that is stronger than death, when that love is filling me at the core of my being, then the result of being in perfect love means the fear is cast out and the peace of God begins to reign in my heart. And the evidence of true love means trust. If you don't trust someone, that means you don't really fully love them. Is that true? Because love is based on trust. You can't trust somebody, you can't really trust someone that you don't really love. I mean, you can see that. And so, if I'm really believing and knowing God loves me, the result of knowing and believing God loves me will be trust. I'll trust Him. Even when the storms come, I'm going to trust Him. Even when things fall apart in my life, I'm going to trust Him because I know He loves me and I know His love that infuses my heart castles out the, the doubts, the fears, the uncertainties the one to hit my life in a storm. Because when a storm hits my life, the one thing the enemy is going to do is going to bring doubt. It's going to make you question God's love for you. It's going to make you question God's promises and God's word. That's why the enemy sends fear. That's why the enemy sends storms. Because in the storms, he wants to remove from you that sense that you're loved by God and that sense that God's word is true and powerful and will never fail. But when I know he loves me, I know his word will always come to pass. What did Jesus say to those disciples? He says, we, what are we doing? We're going to the other side. How many know, he didn't say to them, by the way, everything's going to be perfect. Perfect calm. We're going to have calm waters because we're going to the other side. He didn't say that. He just said, we're going to the other side. He forgot to tell them that also there's a storm coming. 
But he was saying this, even though there's a storm coming, we're still going to the other side. So I said we're going to the other side. And nothing is going to stop us getting to the other side. And that's what God says to you this morning. The promises that he's given you are going to happen. Storms will come, opposition will come, but you're getting to the other side. Isn't that awesome? And that's why you can have perfect peace that is rooted in perfect trust, that is rooted in perfect love. Lord, I trust you. You're going to bring all these things to pass. Have you ever noticed this? I kind of find this quite amusing, really. But every time God gives a promise to someone in the Bible, the moment God promises them, something begins to, opposition rises to stop them taking place. For example, God says to Moses, Moses, you're going to deliver my people. And what happens, the moment that happens, he finds himself in the wilderness on the run, an outcast, an outlaw. I think of David. God said to David, David, you will be anointed as king. Within months or years of that situation, he suddenly finds himself on the run for his life. Years and years in the wilderness. Somebody seeking to kill him in incredible, extreme ways. I think of Joseph. He was given the promise of, a, of authority and that he'd have incredible authority and blessing in life. And the moment that dream was given to him, what happens? His brothers betray him. That's pretty bad. He's then sold as a slave. He then ends up falsely accused and put in prison for 17 years. But God brought the promise to pass. Because he learned to trust God. He learned that God loved him no matter what. And when the storms come... It's a sign that you are almost there. And see what the Lord is teaching us really is through the storms of life press through. Don't allow the storms of life to shut you down. Don't allow the storms of life to cause you to panic. But come to this place of amazing peace. I think that's the place we were created to live in. Our hearts were created to live in perfect peace. Our hearts were created to trust the Lord with all our hearts and not to lean on our own understanding. I think there's a capacity that God has placed in your heart, a place of perfect trust in the storms of life. Can you say amen? Now here's the next thing. I'm going to get hold of this one. Choose authority rather than Apathy. I think one of the worst words in the English language is whatever. Have you ever said that? Whatever. Got to, I mean, you've got teenage kids. Whatever. You know, whatever. Can you keep whatever? You know, is that, and that is so, that's almost a word that says, I don't really care. Like, whatever, whatever. And I think often that we lose sight. Often we think in a weird sort of way that when storms and problems and things, it's our life. Because the disciples said this, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care what we're going through right now? And sometimes, often in the human heart, there's this sense that we we lose sight that that God cares. He, He cares about everything you're going through. We've got a Father in heaven. He wants to, He cares for everything. And He says, You're not alone in the middle of your storm, but I will be with you. 
I'm not indifferent to you. I'm not apathetic about what you're going through. But I care for everything that you are going through. And I think this. But instead of getting well, whatever kind of thing, well, you know, this storms in my life, whatever, who cares, whatever, I'll just go through, i just somehow get through, whatever. I think in the midst of the storm, instead of bringing you to a place of apathy and indifference, I find a lot of people often, they're brought to a place of indifference and apathy because of storms that are in their life. It's just created this apathy, this indifference to life, this indifference to things in life because of the storms that have hit their life. But instead of it bringing that indifference and that apathy, God wants you to come into a greater level of authority. I think storms have the, have the potential to bring you to a place of greater authority. Because the disciples woke Jesus up. Wake up, that you care. And Jesus, was, that's the only time he was disturbed. He was disturbed by their kind of cries, if you like. And sometimes our prayers can be panic. Just cries of panic. Rather than the kind of prayers of authority. In fact, Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you pray. It's not, ah! It's, Father, who art in heaven, the awesome God, the mighty God, let your kingdom, let the influence, the atmosphere of heaven begin to invade my storm. Let your will be done. Let the will of heaven be released in the midst of this situation. Let your will be done. I call on kingdom atmosphere and your will to be accomplished in this situation. You know what authority really is? And I think, believe with all my heart, that one of the levels that God wants to bring people in his church in is to see a true level of authority. I think sometimes we, we allow the enemy to make us like his doormats. And we, 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 we just cave in at every time he, opposition or problems and storms come. And what God wants this church to come into, I think maturity really is this, where we learn to take authority for ourselves. I think there's some things in life that no one can take authority for you. God wants you to take authority. And there's certain storms in life that we need to take authority over. The reason why Jesus was disappointed is because Jesus expected those disciples to take the authority over the storm. Because they'd learned authority. They'd learned how to cast devils out. Is that true? They'd learned how to heal the sick. He said, I give you authority to heal all manner of diseases and to cast demons out. That's the authority I give to you. And so they knew the authority that he had. And he was disappointed. He says, where's your faith? Why didn't you use your authority to rebuke the wind and the storm? And God's calling us as his church, as his people, to rise up in the authority that Jesus has given to us through the power of the cross. And you say, Amen. Look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is all about warfare. All about how we deal with the storms of life. Paul says about the evil day, the storms that hit our lives. And Ephesians 6, there's a word that he repeats time and time again because the power of authority is learning to stand in the storm. Learning to stand. Not to let it to blow you over, but to stand in the midst of 
the storm. Look at Ephesians 6, 13. You see this, this phrase repeated a lot. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And that word stand is repeated many times in, that, in, in those verses, in that passage. Paul says in, in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Learning to stand our ground. Learning to use the authority that Jesus has given to us. See, the spirit of fear wants to lead you into panic. But the spirit of God wants to lead you into your authority. And when we know we're loved, see, authority really comes by connection. The more connected I am to Jesus, the more authority I have. The more I'm closer to him, the more I'm living in intimacy and closeness to him, the more authority I'm going to have. I'm going to stand, amen? Stand in the midst of it. I'm going to stand strong. Not in my power, but in his power. Not in my might, but in his might. So here's the point. I've got to build up my inner man. I've got to stand, spend time in the word. I've got to continue filled with the Holy Ghost. Fill with the might and power of God so that I can stand strong. And I can have authority over those storms. I can rebuke those storms. I can stand against those storms and come out better than what I went in, when I went in through them, Amen? Authority and power that comes, that God gives to us to rebuke the storms that life wants. Look at a verse here, Psalm 103. See, God doesn't want us to give power to the storm. He wants, he wants faith to arise in our hearts. Psalm 103. I love this. Psalm 103. Great verse here, verse 6. Sorry, verse 20. Blessed, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. I love this. That when we stand in our authority, when we declare the word of the Lord, angels are released with supernatural power. To intervene in our situations as they heed, as they respond to the voice of the Lord. As I want, as a guy, if you ever heard this guy's name, his name is, just get his name, this is a great story. A guy called Jael, Jael Jiyun, Joel Jiyun. How many of you ever heard of him? He's actually like the Billy Graham of, of Haiti. That's what he's, like. he's like the Billy Graham of Haiti. And he tells a story that his father, when he was young, his father was a missionary and his father was a long way away. Okay? His father was a long way away. And during the time his father was away, he died. The son died. He died. The son died. And because they were trying to contact the father, it took him so long to get there, three days later, they put the son in the coffin and they're about to bury the son. About to bury the son. And so the father just arrives as the, as the casket's getting ready to be buried. And he cries out. He says, God, you promised that my son would carry the baton 
And he would, he would do a mighty work in Haiti. I pray, God, would you do a miracle? Would you release a miracle? And his father took authority over the spirit of death. And the son rose to life. And you can read his book on Amazon. You know his book's called? I quite like the book. Called the, book. the book is called, what's it called? Yeah. You, you never see this book anywhere else. I sneezed in my casket. That's what the book's called. I sneezed in my casket. And he wrote a book. And now he's an amazing evangelist. He's almost doing incredible things in Haiti. All because, you think of the thousands and thousands of people who have come to Christ in Haiti because a father took authority and refused to allow that storm to control his situation and his life. And he started to believe the promises of God. We hear stories like that. and It's almost like these commercials. How many have ever been to America? Have you ever seen... I was telling someone the other day about this. Uh, the drug, have you seen the, the commercials for, for, for drugs on t- American television? They tell you, and you see these people, uh, how, and, they, and they, they see how their, their lives have been changed that they took this drug, and you see them laughing and amazing. And he, and he goes on and shows this incredible story how these people have taken this drug and now they're really good. But then afterwards, he finishes like this. Just to say that these drugs also could lead to kidney failure, <laughs> air falling out, Legs falling off, whatever else it is. And you think, actually, the side effects are worse than the actual condition i got now. And often we hear stories like that, and we often, we often think, well, we often don't believe the good part. We always begin to think, well, that could never happen for me. God could never do that for me. I've had too many disappointments. And I think God is saying, instead of allowing the disappointments to rob you of your faith and your authority, I think God wants us to rise up with a new faith. To say, Lord, I really believe today that every promise is yes in you. Every promise is amen in Christ. And the Bible says we have not because we believe not. I'm just wondering how many storms in life that we've allowed to overwhelm us because we were unwilling to use the authority that we could have. I wonder how many circumstances, I wonder how many things in our life could be, would have been turned around if we had said enough is enough. And instead of pitying ourselves, we need to encourage ourselves. I think the greatest thing God wants us to learn, he wants us to learn how to encourage ourselves in the midst of storms. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Is that true? When he was hitting a storm in life, he lost his family, he lost everything. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. And what we need to learn to do in our world, in our circumstances, in our situations, we really need to learn the power of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Because that's the only way the storms in life begin to fall down. And instead of pitying ourselves, come on, let's really encourage ourselves. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. How many believe it? You know, it's, we've all been there, this self-pity is such a destructive thing, it's such a pit that often it's very hard to get out of. So let's learn the power of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Let me close with this. Mark chapter 5. Go back to Mark 5. I want to see something powerful. I haven't got time to go into in great detail, but I think it's such a powerful truth about the storms of life. Mark 5. Here's a question. 
What was the storm trying to keep Jesus from? What was the storm trying to keep the disciples from? What was the reason why the devil sent that storm to stop Jesus and the disciples from getting the storm? Why did that happen? And in Mark 5, verse 1, he says they came to the other side of the sea. And notice this, verse 2, and immediately a man came out to meet him with an unclean spirit. That's what that storm was all about. The enemy was trying to prevent Jesus from getting to that man. Is that true? When he gets to this man, imagine you've just gone through a storm and suddenly right there to greet you is a guy naked, screaming, shouting out, cutting himself up with whatever. Imagine that. And my last point is this, that instead of let's choose to resist and not retreat. I'm encouraged. The Bible says this man had a legion of demons. People tell us that could be between 6,000, whatever it is, two or 6,000. I like the point, the fact that even though that man had that many demons, they still had to bow the knee to Jesus. Can you say amen? And he's going to see that when that man got there, that man's condition affected the whole region. The whole region was affected by that man's condition because people were afraid, there was fear there. And the whole region, the whole area was affected by that man's condition. The whole region was affected by it. One man affected the whole climate. Can you imagine? You know, can you imagine someone trying to want to buy a house? You know, you know, what, what's the house like? Well, it's good, but there's a guy who actually runs around naked, who screams and shouts, tears chains off. I'm sure that shouldn't affect the, the, the price of the house. So the whole region was affected by this one man. And Jesus comes and he casts those demons out. Amen. Sets that man free. Awesome. And then something very strange takes place. Wouldn't you have thought that everybody would be thrilled about that? And they come to Jesus and the Bible says they were greatly afraid when they saw the man in his right mind. I'd have thought somebody running naked in the tombs, screaming and shouting, cutting himself up, that would have made you afraid. But when he's back in his right mind, wouldn't that be something to bring encouragement to your heart? He says they were greatly afraid. See, often religion has that effect. That we want God to work, but not too much. Not too much that it brings too much transformation. We want God to move, but let's not get too excited about it. Let's not get too thrilled. You know, I think God's given you and I a capacity to be thrilled and excited about the things that he does. When I give my daughters things, you know what I love to see? You've got this. I love to see, the thing I, I love to see when they you know, the wow. They go, wow, that's amazing. They, I look, I look, how many love her? Nothing worse you give them. All oh, right, thank, thank you. You know, you love to see people excited and thrilled about it. How much more should we be thrilled about being saved, about being set free, about being sons and daughters of the Most High God, about having 
deliverance and freedom. And I think God wants us to, to, to express that capacity and that great expression, not just confine it to sports events or, or, or entertainment, but to express it. To be excited and thrilled about all that God does. So here's the point. I'll close it. The guy comes, says, Lord, thank you for sending me pre. I want to be your disciple. Let me follow you. He says, no. Don't be my disciple. He says, I want you to, he says, I want you to go back and I want you to tell your friends, I want you to tell your family about all the Lord has done for you. Now, here to me is the great thrill. And I'll close with this. Mark chapter 7, verse 37. Because after a certain time, Jesus goes back to that same region that the guy was in. It was at a place called Decopolis where there was ten cities. And this guy goes back, okay? He goes back home. Remember, they said to Jesus, leave, go. We don't want you here. Go, just get out of here as quick as you can. You know, Get out of town, go, whatever, get out of town, go. Months or time later, Jesus returns back to that exact place where people told him to go. And look what happened in verse 37. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Could it be that that man goes back and begins to tell the people what the Lord has done for him. And he prepares the way for when Jesus goes back into that place. Because the people say, what the Lord has done for that man, let him do that for also us also. And that man, through his story, through his testimony, began to prepare the way. And this is what I'm saying today. Your story is amazing. That what God has brought you through, the simple statement of telling your story has far greater impact than you and I realise. Can you say amen? We've all got a story. We've all had experiences. We've all had encounters. And that which we share has incredible results. Because ultimately speaking, what I'm saying is this, that the storm we're going through is not necessary for you. Because the storm you're going through is what the Lord does in you and through you has an incredible effect that begins to impact and affect other people. What is a testimony? You can't have a testimony if you've gone through a test. Is that true? And so the very test you're going through is preparation and can touch others. It's not just about us. How many of been blessed. How many whose lives have been impacted because you saw somebody go through a storm? And you saw what God did in their life. How he brought them through it. The peace they had. The incredible work of God in the midst of that. And you've seen them go through it. And years later you've seen how they've stood firm. And people's lives have been transformed because they saw someone go through a storm. And it impacted, influenced them. I tell you, whole regions can be changed. You know what? I think here's a story. Reinhard Bonga tells a story. I think it's in Nigeria, actually. Oh, it might have been Nigeria. Where a man was raised from the dead. The whole of that city was shaken by that very thing. 
killed in a car crash, I think he was. I think, after, I think even the video might be out there, Richard might be there. And this man's raised. The whole region is shaken by that man's story. Now, maybe we might have some quite dramatic to tell, but we've got a story. Amen. And the very test you go through will always leave you with a story. Is that true? This is what the Lord done for me. Because I believe in Guernsey, there's a lot of people there with orphan spirits. And they need to see people who've experienced the Father's love. This is what the Father's love has done for me. This is how God delivered me. This is how God met a need in my life. This is how God set me free. I was once in this, but God set me free. Your story has power of influence that actually can shake an island. That can even shake everything, your home, your, your, everything around can be shaken by the story that God wants to give to you. Can we just stand right now? I want you to lift your hands to heaven this morning and say, Lord, thank you. In the midst of the storm, I refuse to panic. I thank you for the authority that I have and I thank you for the story and the testimony that I'm going to have come through it. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank him and praise him right now. But God can do amazing things. No storm is too great. No storm too big. Put your faith in the Lord. Put your trust in him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And see the storms be diminished and demolished. And you'll come out with faith, with great love, and a great story to tell. Can you say amen? Because the Lord has done marvellous and great things. Therefore, we shall be glad. Lord, we want to thank you today. You're the Lord of the storm. You're the Lord of the storm today, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that no matter what storms would seek to hit our lives today, we believe today, Lord, you're greater than our storm. Lord, we put our trust in you. We trust you with all our hearts. We don't lean to our own understanding. We thank you for the results. We thank you for the blessings that will come to our way, Lord. We thank you for the authority that we will have. We thank you for the peace that we will have. We thank you for the story that we will have to tell. Lord, and we pray today in these days, Lord, that we'll be able to tell the great things and the marvellous things, what the Lord has done. Lord, we would give you praise today in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you do need prayer this morning, if you're going through something this morning and you just want someone to stand in the room with you, we'd love to pray with you. We're happy to do that this morning. Let's spend a few moments as we close today worshipping the Lord, praising Him. If you've got a need today, we'd love to pray for you. If you're in a storm right now, you say, Lord, I just need that sense of assurance today. I need you to touch me in the midst of that. So if you need that, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Let's just close today with it. We worship Him. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.